It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, conversations with host Serena Catania. This is Serena Catania with OWC Radio. Jim Tierney hasn't talked with us in, boy, it's been a year, Jim. It was last NAB. Jim is president of Digital Anarchy, and he has a lot of amazing solutions for people who work in the in media. So, Jim, how you been? I haven't talked to you in a year. Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, you know, my April was much calmer than it's been in probably 25 years <laughs> with no NAB. Does it feel weird not to be going to NAB or are you kind of happy about it? Uh, it feels pretty weird. You know, I, I don't I certainly don't miss, you know, setting up the booth and all all that nonsense. But, you know, I do miss the people. You know, it's like, I mean, that's. You know, that's the important part about the show. Is, I mean, it's like, who cares about the stupid booth? But, you know, like, you know, just the people that you see, like, once a year, or, you know, it's like, you know, some of the other plugin developers who, you know, like Pete from Revision Effects, who I live, like, probably two miles away from, but I only see them, like, a few times a year. And, you know, like, NAB is one of those times. So there's just a lot of people that, you know, I just love to catch up with. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's nice to see, see folks. So I definitely miss that. Yeah, I I do too. I miss seeing everybody. It's it's the one chance every year. That and IBC, I think, are the two big ones for me. I I always complain about them because there's so much work both preparing for. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, you just it takes a month and at least a month in advance. And I'm not setting yeah. up a booth, but it's just crazy. It's full time for at least a month in advance, and then you get there, and and in those days that you're at the convention, you're exhausted by the time you get home. But as much as I complain about it. You know, sometimes they say you don't miss it till it's gone, and I'm kind of missing it. No, totally. Yeah, I kind of missed it this year. Yeah, I mean, I complain about it every year as well. And, you know, that's why I said, you know, my April was much calmer than I think it's been in, you know, 25 years. You know, just like not having to ship stuff and not having to prepare stuff and all the all the rigmarole that you do. But, um, but yeah, I missed it. <laughs> well, you didn't. There's no Burning Man this year either, and you've been involved. How many years have you been involved in Burning Man? Uh, this would have been the 20th year that I'd gone. Um, wow. So, but yeah, they're they're not holding it this year. So that's longer than a lot of relationships. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been going to NEB longer. <laughs> have you yeah. really? Have you really? Oh my goodness. Yeah, my first NEB was 1996. Oh, my goodness. You're not old enough. So Burning Man, you were involved in the creative artistic side of it, right? I mean, what I can't remember. We talked a year ago about this, and I can't remember exactly what you were doing for Burning Man. But I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I volunteered for them for a long time uh, in uh, this department called the Artery, which is what uh, the department that helps artists. So Burning Man, like when they're out there, they have a lot of uh, resources, heavy machinery, uh, you know, cherry pickers, uh, forklifts, trenchers, all these things. And we help uh, manage those resources for the artists. So if they're setting up some big art installation, uh, you know, scheduling when they're going to get the heavy machinery over to their site, um, you know, if they need fuel, do you need propane, do you need firewood, you know, all, all this stuff. Um so we just help manage the resources, but the the thing that I've mainly been doing for them for for the last uh, fourteen years, and really has been my role the last uh, eight or nine, is doing this audio art tour. So basically, kind of a docent led uh, tour of the major art installations on the playa. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's just like an MP list of MP3s, like 50 MP3s that you can download. And then, you know, you can either listen to them on your way to Burning Man or walk around with your you know, iPhone and listen to learn more about the art. So it's kind of like, you know, if you go to a museum and you get like one of those audio tour things, um, it's the same same idea. So it's always fun to put that together and, you know, see what kind of art. Because, you know, I get access to all this stuff, you know, four or five months in advance. So I, I kind of know what art installations are coming out. So it's, uh, it, it helps to get you kind of fired up about going, you know, I mean, you, you, know, you, you can get a little bit jaded after, uh, you know, 20 years, but, um, but, you know, there's always cool, new, interesting stuff that people are bringing out. So it's, uh, it's just a good way to kind of get past the jadedness and get some excitement about it. I have a confession. I have never been to Burning Man. And every year I experience. Oh, my God. I know. Forgive me. Please forgive me. Maybe next year. All my friends go. And for some reason, every year, I just seem to be out of the country. I'm I'm filming somewhere that doesn't allow me to go to Burning Man. Um, maybe next year. Maybe next year. We'll see. I don't know. Well, I can't, I can't tell you how many, how many years I've gotten back from Burning Man and then been on a Playing to IBC, you know, <laughs> a few days later. <laughs> That's always an interesting transition. Yeah, I think I was either coming back from Berlin or going from one country to back to Germany, and there were some people on the plane wearing their pink tutus, and <laughs> I knew it was Burning Man. <laughs> it was tutu. What is it? Tutu as, Tuesday or something? <laughs> yeah, as we do. Oh, my goodness. So 70,000 of 20. your best friends, right? Yeah, it was, 20, it was 20, 25,000 people when I started going. So really? Quite a bit. Even then, people were like complaining about, "Oh my God, it's too big. It's over. It's like it's Burning Man's done." And it's like here we are, twenty twenty years later. That's three times the size. Getting bigger every year. Wow, that's awesome. Well, maybe next year. So, for people listening, you really are a pioneer in uh, the development of plugins, both for motion graphics and animation and video editing. Um, and and what's also surprising to me is that this is still a privately owned company, right? It's yeah. your company. Mm-hmm. So with all of this stuff that you have out there that makes our life easier, um, it's all yours. And I, I just think that's that's very admirable. It's it's wonderful. So tell us for those who don't know, talk to us about the plugins, your legacy, what I would call your legacy software that's out there that we can use. I know I use beauty box almost every day when I'm working on a video, I use beauty box all the time because everybody wants to look nice. Yeah. You know, like videos just not, you know, everyone's going like, well, you don't, why would I want to use digital makeup? But you know, like video lights don't make you look normal. I mean, it's like, that's not how we normally walk around with a big bright light, you know, on our face. And so, you know, it just shows off all these details that you don't necessarily see every day in real life. So, um, it's been a really, uh, incredible plugin for us. And, um, you know, it was really one of the first, basically the first one out there for doing this type of work. I mean, now there's you know, mm-hmm. a couple dozen of them, but. And actually what it came out of was I saw, you know, you remember MGLA? Mm-hmm. Uh, the motion graphic user group that Trish yeah. Meyer used to run. Yeah. yeah. So I saw, I saw a presentation there about somebody working on music videos and just what they had to do to do all the retouching. 
you know, with like masks and tracking it. And, and, you know, this is like 15 years ago. So it was like, it was some work. And, uh, you know, it was just like, wow, we could probably make this a lot easier. And, um, and uh, eventually we figured it out and uh, it's been a really popular plugin for us. Well, it's brilliant. And it's also, it's very subtle too. I mean, you can adjust it and it, and it's very, very subtle. And if you do it right, um, I mean, I think it really does enhance images, which is important. You want your clients that you're photographing, you know, that you're videoing, you want them to look good. Yeah. And uh, I kind of liken it to what I do with perfectly clear on the stills side, right? You don't let a portrait go out without touching it up a little bit. Um, and so same with video. And this just really, it's it's really nice. I, I love it. So what else? Uh, tell people about your other solutions that you have. Yeah, you know, well, one thing about Beautybox, I mean, that that was the key thing about uh, that made Beautybox different when we released it. I mean, there were some skin retouching plugins out there, but basically they were just blurring the skin. Yeah. And I think we were kind of the first one to actually go like, all right, well, we don't want to just blur, we don't want to make everybody look like Barbie. It's like we really want to keep the skin texture, but you know, we kind of want to just you know soften things up without you know basically apply a. a thin layer of digital makeup mm-hmm. without, you know, it being a super obvious effect. And, uh, so, you know, I think we, we did a good job with that. So I'm glad. Thank you for using it. I appreciate it. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, it's funny. I always laugh. I see these Instagram posts with people that are like in their sixties and they've taken every single line and wrinkle completely out. They look ridiculous. <laughs> it's right. like, uh, Oh my right. gosh, who did this to you? But beauty box doesn't do that. It's really very realistic and very subtle. You also have a tool for sharpening. You have transcriptive. Do you want to talk about those for a minute? And then we have some new stuff to talk about too. So we do. Uh, yeah, so we've got uh, Samurai Sharpen, which uh, you know is a sharpening plugin that we released I don't know, four or five years ago, or maybe less than that. Uh, super cool plugin for for doing sharpening if you've got something that's just you know slightly out of focus. Obviously, if it's totally out of focus, yeah, nothing's going to help it. But um, but it is a way of kind of like just making some adjustments there. Um, so that's a cool plugin. Uh, we have Light Wrap Fantastic, uh, which just is you know a light light wrap uh, plugin. If you're doing green screen, uh, just makes uh, the edges blend a little bit better. Uh, we have a bunch of free plugins. Uh, you can download Ugly Box if you want to make somebody look worse. <laughs> Seriously? Uh, okay, I don't yeah, know about you didn't that. Know, you didn't no. know about Ugly Box? No. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's mean. <laughs> Well, we released it for Halloween one year. So, like, if you want to make people look like a zombie or or whatever, it's like it's a great tool for that. Um, <laughs> but it just, it, it, instead of going, you know, instead of like hiding, you know, softening the imperfections, it just brings them out. Oh my gosh! And, you know, you can turn you can, you can turn the skin green and stuff like that. So, you know. Oh, I have to remember that for Halloween. <laughs> make them ugly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so there's Ugly Boxes, and that's a free download. You can just go to our website and download it. Um, but And there's a few other free free plugins on there. You get those at digitalanarchy.com, digitalanarchy.com. So keep going. I just want, while we're talking about downloading, I want to just get out your pen and pencil, everybody, and write this down. Go get your free plugins. <laughs> yeah, we, t- we try and, you know, like when we release a regular product, we try and do something fun that's, you know, for a free plugin. So like, you know, we have Flickr Freak, which adds Flickr to your video, um, which is also a free plugin, uh, which is the opposite of Flickr Free, which is, uh, 
you know, our plugin for removing Flickr from video. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of free plugins out there on, on digitalanarchy.com. So go check it out. That's awesome. So that is a great segue to Flickr Free 2.0. Yeah. So it actually was 1.5 recently and now it's 2.0. You are busy. You're just keeping this stuff really updated. <laughs> so t- tell people what Flickr Free is. So Flickr Free is a plugin for removing various types of Flickr from video. Uh, it originally came out of the fact that I do a lot of time-lapse photography, and if you're trying to capture sunsets or sunrises, you have to let the camera kind of automatically adjust. Uh, and if you do that, you end up with a little bit of flicker, and there wasn't really a great tool out there for dealing with it. And so we came up with Flicker Free for that. And then as it turns out, it solved a whole bunch of other problems. So if you're shooting slow motion, you can also see uh, the lights flicker because of the electricity. Uh, And then the most common thing that we've discovered that it works for is if the camera and lights are out of sync, uh, you get this rolling band problem. Yeah, that's terrible. And uh, which is just, you know, super common if you are shooting in Europe and you forgot to, you know, switch the camera to, um, you know, 50 frames a second or 25 frames a second. Fluorescence will do it too, right? Yeah, for it, yeah, there's a lot of fluorescence. Um, and then one of the more the common things is LED lights, uh, which you know really became a thing right around the time we released Flicker Free. And you know, if you dim, uh, especially if you dim LED lights, uh, it just causes crazy rolling bands. Um, and so it was kind of good timing to come out with a tool that fixed that type of problem. Um, and the big change with 2.0 is that we now do better uh, motion detection. So if you've got like a handheld shot, you know, say you're, in, you're shooting a wedding and you're in a hotel ballroom and the, you know, the hotel has dimmed the LED lights in the, in the ballroom. Um, and you just didn't notice that, you know, you have this uh, camera light sync problem. Uh, we can now, you know, do a much better job of fixing that. Uh, before Flickr Free really had a problem with like handheld footage. Uh, did a great job if the camera was like locked down. It was just kind of an interview shot or something like that. But, you know, if you were like moving all over the place, you know, filming like bride and father, like dancing or whatever, um, you know, it really struggled with that. So uh, the new version really does a great job with that particular uh, instance. And then, of course, it solves all the stuff that uh, Flickr Free won. Wow. This is great stuff. So you're making our incompetencies competent. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's just it's it's just that you know, like a lot. It's not often it's not visible on the back of the camera. Yeah, you know, no, a, it's true. You know, on the tiny on the tiny screen, and and it's you just don't notice it, and then you get back into post, and you're like, oh my god, where did this come from? Um, and so you know, we've we've saved a lot of people's footage. <laughs> which is always an awesome feeling. Yeah, well, when, you, when you're when you in the middle of it, right, and you're shooting and you've got eyes on the back of your head, especially, like, for me, if I'm doing reality type of things, right? Yep, yep. And And I'm concentrating on the action and what's happening and trying to get the master shot and the cutaways and, you know, the storyline. And if something changes, I'm, at that moment, may or may not be aware of it. You're right. 
you, sometimes, no matter how good you are, things happen and you're concentrating on another aspect of what you're doing, telling the story with your camera, for example, and, and yeah, you don't notice it. Yeah, and suddenly you're moving around and suddenly a light, you know, the was not in the background it's only in the background mm-hmm. and you know it's it's you know across the room but you know it's flickering like crazy yeah you know we've got great uh, speaking of reality you know we've got uh, a great example up on the digitalanarchy.com site of the amazing race and like an indoor shot where they're you know like you know the contestants like have to go into this store or whatever and of course you know the fluorescent lights are you know just not you know really set up for you know filming you know, just cheap fluorescent lights, which, you know, tend to flicker. And, uh, you know, I did a nice job on, on fixing that for them. You know, there's so many situations where you just don't have control over all of the lights. Mm-hmm. And especially lights that might be you know, in the background that mm-hmm. you just don't quite think of. It's just been a great tool for, for solving all that stuff. What about if you're shooting something on TV? Does it work on that, too? Yeah, sure. That's that's another example. You know, that the LED lights basically function like a computer monitor because mm-hmm. they have a refresh rate just like a computer monitor or a TV. Right. And so that's where you get, you know, the rolling band. The rolling bands is the same exact problem for shooting a computer monitor or something, um, you know, where just the refresh rate of the monitor is out of sync with your, you know, the shutter speed of the camera. And, you know, you just end up with the rolling bands. So, yeah, totally, it'll totally fix that type of stuff. I'm just wondering about those scenes where you're shooting somebody in the studio and they're, no, that's a computer in the background, but I'm thinking that sometimes they're syncing problems with the with the picture if they've got somebody on television behind them or, so this would help with that, right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. The other big feature with 2.0 is it's much faster. It's now GPU accelerated. So, you know, especially if, um, you know, you've got a CUDA, or, not, or like an NVIDIA card, um, it does a great job. Um, but, you know, it also supports OpenCL, so uh, AMD works very well. Um, we don't support Metal yet, so, you know, that's coming. That'll be a free upgrade, um, yeah, and that should be in the next in month or two. But so it's not quite, you know, we're not seeing quite the same speed improvement on Macs uh, as we are uh, on Windows machines right now. Mm. But that'll we'll fix we'll fix that shortly. <laughs> well, what were you thinking when you were watching Dub Dub the other day? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's what that's what I was saying. It's like, oh man, yeah, this again. You went, oh my goodness, uh, here comes a lot more work. Yeah, that's that's uh, all my developer friends. Whenever there's announcements like that. Um, I always sympathize with what their next six months is going to be like. Although they do claim that uh, a lot of the a lot of the applications uh, are going to be com- universally compatible, but that remains to be seen. You know. Yeah, I mean it. It's it's a big question. I mean, like how compatible? Yes. You know, how fast are they going to run? Which matters for you know anybody doing computer graphics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not. It's not just a word processor. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I guess transcriptive kind of is, but, you know, all of our other plugins are, you know, pushing pixels around. And, you know, if you're running that in emulation, uh, you know, what kind of speed hit are you going to take because of that? You know, we're not we're not too freaked out about it. Um, I, you know, I have a hard time seeing a lot of video professionals just jumping on the first, first round of um, these new machines. 
just because, you know, of all those speed issues, um, you know, the all you know, a lot of the software is not going to be updated, you know, by September or October, whenever they release these things. So I wonder which computer they're going to bring in that will still have the Intel chip, because they did say that they would have new models of their computers out. And I'm thinking maybe it's the air. I don't know. Did you think about that? You have any feeling about that's totally off the subject. I'm just curious. They uh, they said that the first ARM machines are going to be iMacs and MacBook Pros. Mm. Uh, so I'm assuming you know the desktop they just released you know the ridiculously expensive you know, Mac Pro. I know I got one and it's sitting here and I'm thinking now you've got the silicon <laughs> chip. I just bought the Mac Pro and everything that goes with it, and um, I was hoping to use it for more than two years. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. It's not like any of us are going to stop developing Intel software, at least for a while. But, uh, but yeah, it does kind of shorten the life of those things, unfortunately. Well, I have a lot of friends who use Flickr Free, and um, it, they just swear by it. They love it. And I am excited about Power Search, which you're about to announce, if you haven't already, uh, coming up. If it's not out when this interview comes out, it will be out by the time the interview does come out, which is in a couple of weeks from when we're uh, recording it. And I'm very excited about Power Search. Can you tell people what that does and uh, what platforms it runs on? Yeah, so it's basically uh, kind of an addition to Transcriptive, which is our uh, tool for you know getting AI-based transcripts into Premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now the you know we're pretty premiere based with you know all that stuff. Uh, you know, we may eventually get over the final cut, um, but you know that's that's uh, we got a lot of other stuff to do <laughs> this year. No, and especially <laughs> now that especially now that Apple has announced this crazy CPU change. But anyway, so Power Search, uh, you know, is just a way of taking advantage of the fact that now all of your videos have transcripts attached to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, you know, it's, it's really designed to work with transcriptive, but it can work. It doesn't matter where you get the transcripts from. You know, a lot of other applications are either putting them into the metadata or putting them into markers or whatever. Um, and Power Search can search all that stuff. Um, and the cool thing about you know the new version is we now have a pretty robust SQL database behind it. Nice. And um, we're just indexing you know every bit of text that we can find in your Premiere project, and then allowing you to search that. And you know, much like any other search engine, you just type in what you get, what you want. Uh, you get search results back. You can click on that, and it'll jump to that point in the clip or the sequence uh, where that was said. Um, so it's just a really cool way of taking advantage of the fact that you know so many people are now getting um, you know transcripts for all their videos, and uh, you know just being able to dig through all all of it and find stuff. You know, it's funny. We just had a conversation yesterday on OWC Radio. We're starting to get AI-based transcripts that are going to integrate with our show notes and add in the chapter markers. And I'm thinking that what you have here with Power Search is really valuable in that we need that. We need that for SEO and we need it for organization. And I'm I, the first thought that came to my mind when when Kevin was telling me about Power Search is that uh, what about your legacy media that you may not necessarily be using now, but you are going to be using, for example, on a project where you have a lot of clips that you're bringing in from old media? I guess if you bring that mm-hmm. into Premiere Pro, 
that would also get transcribed? Or how does it work? Does it come off of the timeline? It can come off the timeline or it can come out of the metadata of the clip. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you have to um, have one of the AIs, you know, transcribe it for it to get stored. So if you're just pulling in something from, you know, like 10 years ago that hasn't been transcribed, you're going to need to transcribe it. Um, or if you have, if you already have a transcript for it, uh, one of the cool features with transcriptive is you can import that text doc and then we'll analyze the, um, waveform of the, you know, analyze the audio of that clip and sync up the text that you imported with, uh, you know, where that happens, where that matches the, uh, audio. And that's actually a free fun. That's a free function, at least for English. It's a free function within transcriptive. You don't have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one way of dealing with, um, legacy assets, uh, and being able to search them, mm -hmm. um, is you can import, you know, old transcripts or old caption files or, or whatever. So that's one way, but the, regardless, it's like power search only really works well if you've got stuff transcribed and, um, and of course, you know, for us, that means transcriptive, uh, but, you know, there's plenty of other solutions out there as well. Um, but yeah, once you have those transcripts and once those are attached to the media, then, you know, just everything becomes searchable. You just bring it in. And if it's, if it's in a sequence, that's great. Then uh, power search will locate it within the sequence and then jump to that point in the timeline. But then also if it's just in the, attached to the clip itself, uh, it'll open up the clip in the source monitor. Um, and then, you know, jump to, you know, move the playhead to, you know, where the, where the words are spoken. What I like about it too, that I was told is that you can also use symbols. So I could search for Jim plus Tierney. Yes. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. So, you know, we really want to make it like a regular search engine. So, you know, if you use quotes, then that's going to find the, you know, an exact match. Uh, you can do an, you can do an and, you can do a minus, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so there's, you know, lots of, you know, if you're searching for something digital, digital something, and you don't want all the, you know, digital anarchy to show up all over the place, you can just do digital minus anarchy, and it'll just show results, you know, with digital. So it just makes it a lot easier to, uh, you know, do complex searches. And, uh, you know, because what, what we're finding with, you know, very large projects is it's pretty easy to come back with, you know, like 1500 search results. And, you know, like, you don't really want to dig through 1,500 search results. <laughs> so having ways to kind of narrow that down is, is a pretty important thing. Absolutely. I mean, um, one one of my projects is a, a series, and there's 200 hours of interviews. Yeah. Yep, and yep. organizing that and searching through all of that and figuring out, you know, which act goes in which episode. And I mean, it's, ugh. This is going to really be very helpful. So talk to me about speed, because this is apparently very fast, too, right? Yeah, that was one of the problems with 1.0. It, it just took a really long time to index stuff. So if you had 200 hours, you know, it, was, it could take all night to, <laughs> to index mm -hmm. the stuff. Yeah. So by moving, to a, by moving to a regular, you know, real database, uh, we've been able to speed that up, you know, pretty dramatically. So, you know, even with 200 hours, it's probably only take about an hour or so to index everything. Um, and then, you know, everything is just, you know, easily searchable. So the speed, it, it just makes it much more usable in terms of running the indexing and, uh, you know, 
just finding everything in the in the project. Wow. Brilliant. I love talking to smart people. Where's your <laughs> development team? Are they like where what part of the world are they from or does it vary by No, we're all we're all in San Francisco. Really? Everybody's in I love that. Made in the USA. I love it. Absolutely. That's aw- Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Farthest engineer lives in Oakland. <laughs> wow. So, you know, yeah, so it's you know, we're a small team, but uh, you know, it's just you know, we, we've tried outsourcing stuff and it, it works well if you're a bigger company and you can actually have a whole team over there mm-hmm. or, you know, we're in India or wherever you're outsourcing to. But, you know, if you're just doing like just working with like one developer or something, it, it becomes more challenging. Um, and so, you know, we've just made kind of the decision to kind of hire people around here. Uh, which certainly makes it a bit more expensive, but uh, we find that it's communications much easier um, and, you know, just developments faster than it would be um, if we were trying to outsource everything. Well, I always worry about outsourcing to someone in that I'll never meet in person. And I worry about security, yeah. uh, particularly in, in, you know, in the business that, that we're all in, you're, you're in the developer side, but boy, you've got, you've got code there that's proprietary. And I, I think I would be worried about farming that out to uh, somebody that's living in a foreign country that you've never met. I don't know. I worry about it just with what I'm doing and I'm not even writing code. Yeah, I mean, what we've kind of learned, like, if we do uh, do any outsourcing is, you know, you tend to tend to hand off stuff that's, like, non-critical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of the work that doesn't necessarily involve the really proprietary type of code. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, security is an issue no matter, you know, where you have people working, um, you know, unless you're just in a facility that's, like, locked everything down. But, you know, like, most of our... You know, their engineers work remotely. Well, I mean, now everybody's working remotely, but um, but even before the whole COVID thing, um, you know, the only engineers only came in like two days a week, so the rest of the time they were working from home. So, you know, it's you know, one of them got really upset with us and decided to post all our code on the internet. Well, you know, that that's possible. Um, well, I hope it never happens. Well, we try, and, we try, we try and treat people pretty well. So yeah, hopefully, uh, <laughs> it has not been a problem so far. Most um, engineers like being alone anyway because they need to concentrate. <laughs> Especially if I'm in the room, I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very inefficient if I have to commute. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting less done. I mean, there. I mean, everybody kind of sees the value of having some time face to face. I mean, that is actually important. Um, but uh, you know you don't you don't need to do it every day. So um, you know what, the thing we had going where they came in a couple of days a week was a pretty good kind of solution. And uh, I miss people though. I have to tell you. Oh I, my I, god! I was telling my friends, <laughs> I'm sleepless in San Diego. I mean, I do have my daughter and her daughter here, but you know they're they're in another location, and I miss it. Yeah. I just miss. 
picking up the phone and saying, hey, let's go see this movie or hey, let's go have a drink or hey, let's have some dinner or let's go for a hike or do you want to go camping? You can't do any of that. Well, you can, but it's just not the same. And I hate wearing those masks. That's another subject. <laughs> That's another subject. Like, yeah, we yeah. won't get into it. So, um, OK, back to <laughs> back to the subject. Because you know, I'm, I'm kind of an introvert, but you know, there's nothing like turning me into an instant extrovert than to tell me that I can't see people. Oh, there you like, go. Usually I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to see people. I don't want to see people. But now, now that, you know, the anarchist of me, I guess, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> but don't tell like, me I can't. Somebody tells me you can't, you can't do this. I'm like, I want to. <laughs> you go, don't tell me I can't do something. <laughs> I don't even like people. I want to go see them. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I might be similar. I don't know. I hate to admit it, but you know what? If somebody tells me I can't do something or they say no to an idea that I have that I just know is going to work, I don't want to hear it. I just move forward anyway. And you know what? Honestly, it's been... It's been a gift. It's been a wonderful blessing in my life that I don't listen to anybody else. <laughs> I'm stubborn. <laughs> I'm very stubborn. No. Oh, my goodness. Well, this all sounds really wonderful. Talk to us about pricing and availability. And uh, so so on uh, Power Search and uh, Transcriptive, you've got some t- – tell us how that all is going to work. Yeah, so Power Search is basically if you – by transcriptive, it's basically included free. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we just, you know, our big NAB announcement, which, you know, of course didn't happen at NAB, but happened in April, mm-hmm. was that we dropped the price of transcriptive from 299 to 149 So that's been pretty cool. Nice. And then that includes, that includes power search, um, you know, and obviously the, you know, with transcriptive, you still have to pay for the trans- transcripts and that's, uh, either eight cents a minute, or if you prepay it, uh, you can get it down to four cents a minute for the transcripts. So it's just a pretty inexpensive way of just, you know, being able to transcribe all of that media. Mm-hmm. And then with Power Search, you know, you can now, uh, you know, search all of it. Right. So it's a overall, uh, you know, we feel it's a pretty reasonably priced um, solution for for doing that type of work. Uh, and if you want to buy uh, Power Search by itself, it's uh, 99 bucks. So if you're using one of the other transcription solutions, then you can just purchase Power Search, um, you know, on its own. And uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, but yeah, if you buy transcription for 149, you get Power Search for free. Nice. And then uh, with Flickr free, and with Flickr free, uh, that's going to be the same price as it as 1.0, and that's 149 for a license. Uh, and then the upgrade will probably be 89, I think. That's what we're, I haven't totally said it, but that's probably what's, what the price is going to be for the upgrade. Um, if you already own 1.0. And you do have the ability to demo the software before you buy it, right? Or not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. With all, with all this stuff, uh, you know, with the, the pixel plugins, you can just download the, the demo versions and it'll just watermark it. Uh, with transcriptive and power search, you can download it. Um, with transcriptive, you're limited to like two minute transcriptions, but you know, if you just shoot us an email and say, Hey, I want to, you know, kind of unrestricted two week license, we're happy to do that for you. Mm -hmm. You know, we just reach out to sales at digitalanarchy.com and you know, we'll, we'll hook you up with a two week license that, uh, you can play around with. 
So if somebody has it on their desktop in their editing suite, can they also put it on their laptop or how does that work? Yeah, so we allow two installs, okay. uh, you know, per license. So, and it's really set up for that exact situation. So if it's a person with a laptop and a desktop or a work machine and a home machine, you can totally set it up that way. Um, you know, obviously if it's a studio, we would prefer that, you know, you bought a license for every machine. It's, well, a lot of people, especially right now, are, you know, I used to be a big road warrior, but now I'm sleepless in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, Jim, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to tell people about or? Uh, no, I mean, I think we covered most of it. Um, yeah, you know, we're just doing what we're doing. You know, this will be, uh, you know, 20 years for us as a company. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Congratulations. So if you work with media and you want these awesome plugins and solutions, you need to go to digitalanarchy.com and check them all out. Check out the new version of Flickr Free. Check out Power Search. Check out my favorite, which is Beauty Box and all of the other solutions. This is awesome. Jim Tierney, you are president of Digital Anarchy and I suspect on the side a bit of an anarchist, which is kind of fun. And thank you. Well, my 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 official my official title is Chief Executive Anarchist. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Jim Tierney, Chief Executive Anarchist at Digital Anarchy. I love it. You just this is great. Thank you for enlightening us. You have a wonderful day, and everybody, remember what I always tell you: get up off your chair and go do something wonderful today. This is Serena Catania. I'm signing off. Mm-hmm.